Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So we waited. You know, we have a rule on the show. Sometimes, uh, I, I, you know, sometimes we bend the rules ourselves, which always turns out to be a mistake. I'm only human. We make mistakes, too. Uh, but we didn't hear. We waited. Uh, when I say we waited, the Bongino rule says wait 24 to 72 hours. Anytime there's two sides to a story here, Um, And get the facts. You don't need to be first. You need to be right. We waited on the law enforcement response in Uvalde. Um, Now that video has surfaced and we have a a decent picture of what happened, folks, there's a lot of questions. And we're going to go through it methodically today. We're going to go through it critically, but, but accurately. Because it's important. We got a, a lot, a lot to talk about today on this Friday. And let me just say, before we even start the show, on this Memorial Day weekend, to the families of people who have served, to the families of people who've been lost, and the memories of those that have been lost, including my uncle uh, Greg Ambrose, uh, we honor you on this weekend, everything you did to fight for this great country. We say, God bless America and all those who defend her, and that's you. And to the families, God bless you. I hope uh, we can hold them in remembrance this weekend, uh, Memorial Day. So I don't want to. I don't want to get started today and show that we got that. And we've got. Uh, we've got a lot more. It's going to be a very busy show on Friday. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Uh, working. Listen, working on the internet without a VPN, it's like having a dog without a leash outside. There's a pretty good chance, you know, you may be okay, but the dog could run away. You're taking a chance without a VPN too. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino today. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show on this Friday. Uh, again, it's been a rough week, folks, but we got to stay on top of the news. It's our responsibility. Um, there is a second creation out there. You know, things will get better. I, I hope. Man's Search for Meaning, that book by Viktor Frankl. I heard uh, Jonathan Morris on Fox cite that book yeah, yeah, yesterday on Fox. Man's Search for Meaning. As long as you have hope. You know, as long as you have hope. You'll, uh, that is the meeting. Read that book. It'll change your life. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Joe, it is Friday, and it's been a rough week, so I think we need to hear it. It's Friday! Yeah. I'm going to move these papers so he doesn't yell at me. Uh, yeah, I, we needed that. And it's yeah, one of the questions go. today, too, so I'll prepare you in advance. Some, uh, you know, Even though it's been a horrible, uh, terrible week, I can make the case to you it's been a horrible 2022. Folks, hope. There's always hope. And... Uh, you know, someone asked today, someone this in the questions, you'll see it later, Joe. Somebody brings up your, it's Friday. Oh, cool. So okay. You may have seen it. It was on the show. Yeah, you were too busy cutting stuff for the show, I'm sure. Okay. So, um, Uvalde. 
Uh, we waited for the facts about the police response. It has become, understandably, an enormous issue. There was a significant amount of time from the initial police response to this tragic uh, scene at Robb Elementary. There was an unacceptable amount of time before the attacker here was taken out. Now, I say unacceptable. I'm not, I'm not saying this in a Monday morning quarterbacking way. Let me put out in advance so you understand. I was not there. It was not my butt on the line at that door getting ready to go in. It was not. I understand that. But I'm also interested in preventing something like this in the future. And I, I'm reasonably confident based on, actually I'm 100% confident, that after Columbine, we changed a lot of this response plan. So stuff like this didn't happen. I'm going to show you because facts matter during the show. So the law enforcement response has come into question. A lot of the parents, a lot of people like us who don't want to see this happen again have said, why did 12 minutes pass between the car crash and the, uh, the uh, attacker here entering the school before there, was, um, before there was a response? Why did another uh, 40 minutes to an hour, depending on various versions of events, happen until they breached the door to get in the classroom and take this attacker down? And a couple of things that I didn't want to report early. That's why I said to you yesterday, beware of this leftist trying to dismantle the good guy with a gun theory. I wanted to be careful on this. This is the initial version of events that said a school resource officer with a firearm engaged this attacker as he was entering the school turned out to be entirely fabricated and wrong. Now, I'm not attributing that to any malicious intent. I don't know how it happened, but that story is not true. There was no engagement with a school resource officer on the scene of the elementary school. Now, there's a couple parts of this story that have elicited a lot of attention in addition to the delayed response before they entered the classroom and, and, uh, and stopped this attack and neutralized the attacker. A couple of parents not happy with the police response here apparently tried to get in to save their own kids. One of them, according to a Wall Street Journal report and some other reporting out there as well, one of them wound up in cuffs. Some other reporting is... Uh, that's a mother wound up being tased. Folks, I'm sorry, but you know this is entirely unacceptable. This is entirely unacceptable. We, we, we have to be able to ask these questions in a calm, coherent, reasonable manner. I get it that you don't want parents getting killed too on an active crime scene. But if these stories turn out to be accurate, handcuffing them and tasing them as your kids could be getting murdered, I'm... I'm I'm sorry, but that's the kind of thing that the judgment displayed there is so genuinely awful. I'm perplexed as to why you would even consider it, no less do it. Here's how the controversy over the police response and the obvious grief of the parents and those in the community about the police response. It was described pretty well by a gentleman from the Daily Caller, Jorge Ventura. He was on the scene. He did an appearance last night in the Jesse Waters show on Fox, and it was very good. He described the anger and the rage that's been brewing about the police response for a couple of days. Again, we waited on this. We waited because the facts matter. And I was not there. I was not there. 
Here's Jorge Ventura from the scene describing the anger of the parents and the confusion about what happened afterwards. Check this out. We were speaking to parents and multiple witnesses who described that on the day of the shooting, as soon as they heard the gunfire, parents jumped into the cars, rushed to the schools. That's where the witness explained to us where law enforcement, along with Border Patrol, started forming a line and blocking parents from getting to the school. The parents who were actively trying to save their kids. According to the Washington Examiner, those parents begged up to 40 minutes uh, for law enforcement to stop the Texas shooter. We have now found out, according to the Wall Street Journal, one of those moms was actually placed in handcuffs from uh, federal marshals. One father was actually tased when he was trying to get his kid after he was put on a bus. But the parents here, Jesse, are extremely frustrated and they're demanding answers from Texas DPS on what exactly happened on May 24th. So that's what we constantly kept hearing. Multiple witnesses saying that, according to the New York Times, the shooter was in that classroom to up to an hour. Parents, like I said, have been completely frustrated, especially with law enforcement. They have been frustrated with the inaction, asking why did it take so long? to respond to the shooting. Why couldn't they get in there sooner? And, and unfortunately, Jesse, uh, 19 kids lost their lives that day. A couple things from that. A mother in handcuffs, a, a father, excuse me, I said a father tased trying to get his child. Folks, I'm, it's unacceptable. Uh, this is a really, really hard, this has been hard on all of us this week. It's been hard on you. It's unimaginably beyond Beyond difficult for the parents. I don't even, I, I can't, and anyone tell me, oh, I can, I understand that nobody understands how they feel, and I hope you never do. But this is unacceptable. This is totally, completely unacceptable. If you don't have empathy, enough empathy to understand what these parents were going through and you thought it was appropriate, if this is a reporting by the Wall Street Journal, it's a credible outlet. If that turns out to be accurate, then, uh, uh, folks, I'm sorry. I know they were dealing with a lot of trauma at the time, but entirely, entirely unacceptable judgment. Some sanctions have to happen. I mean, that, that, that is, that's hard for me to process. Folks, I've seen a lot of crime scenes. I've been there. I, I, when you're the, a rookie cop, you sit on a lot of DOAs dead on arrival in the street until the medical examiner shows up. I've told you the story a thousand times. How many parents I see run up to the police tape and just drop? Some of them rip it down and come running through. Folks, you, you, you don't put them in handcuffs. You don't tase them. If, if that, I'm, I'm basing it on the Wall Street Journal, weighted on the reporting. If that turns out to be accurate, I'm still trying to find some benefit of the doubt here. I, you, you, don't belong in the, you don't belong in the job. I'm sorry. You know, as you're a former law enforcement guy, this has got to be really, really tough for you nah, to be saying. Man. It really does, man. It, uh, you know, Joe, you know how I feel, how that's strongly what, I feel about what these men and women do. You I, know that's that. what I'm saying. And yeah. I, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a hard week for everyone. But these are, folks, it, these are important. I could have... I'm not going to be on the radio show today because of a graduation for my for my my daughter Isabel, who I love very much. And congratulations! I wish it wasn't happening during this tragedy. It's hard for people to clap and be excited, given everything the nation's going through. And I could have taken this show off today, but I had the morning open, and it's important for me to be here with you. Because um, you're right, Joe. It is hard to talk about. Now, I want to prepare you. If you're not ready for this, I understand the video, Joe, I guess about 30 seconds long or something yeah, like that. Joe cut it for us. Yeah. If you want to just fast forward 30 seconds, I understand. Uh, video, the audio is just as painful. 
This is video taken uh, in and around the school while this thing was going on, and you'll hear the parents screaming. You may, understandably so, you may say, you know, Dan, why, why are we playing this? Folks, this isn't, I don't do anything for shock value. I hope you understand that. I've had this video for a while now. I do it to show what that looks like so we can all tattoo it on our brains. So number one, we can articulate some battle plan going forward so it doesn't happen again. And secondly, to show you just how hot these emotions were and how there had to be a different way to handle this other than that. So again, if you don't want to watch this, just fast forward about 30 seconds. But these are parents trying to get in as this incident is unfolding into the school um, to grab their kids or save their kids. They were ready to take on this, uh, this killer uh, themselves without any equipment or guns. Check this out. That stuff's hard to watch. But we need to see it. So what was going on there, um, but during what we have now uh, on, I'm sorry, it's just hard to get my thoughts together after that. What was going on with the law enforcement response? They were apparently waiting for a tactical team to arrive, the officers on the ground from BORTAC, Border Patrol, this is a tactical unit, it's about 240 Border Patrol agents who are highly trained. From what we're hearing now, uh, the response tactical team that went in after that 40-plus minutes had, had gone by was a mixture of U.S. Marshals, apparently, and Border Patrol. Now, from what I'm hearing from people and friends of mine, uh, colleagues on the scene who are getting it from people on the ground, the classroom was divided. It was some, one of those dividers. I guess, you know, when you want to make one classroom two and you have those foldable dividers, so when they went in, initially they didn't have the right key. Now you may say, why did they not shoot through the door? Well, fair enough question. Um, there's some reporting that they had a Halligan tool, some, uh, some I've heard otherwise, but apparently they had to get the right key first, which is just another waste of time, which I, I get it. It happened. It's, but you got to remember going in there. I think all of us envision this like a tactical team flowed through the door the door typically is at the back of a classroom, right? Or at the front of, and, and the, and the, uh, the attacker is at the other end. They didn't know that. When they came through the door, you have to keep in mind, they didn't know if the slider was closed, if the shooter was there, if the attacker was on the other side of the room, is he to the left or to the right? That's why when they got in, even with the shield, the guy with the shield apparently took some incoming, but other people down further down the entry line, apparently uh, were, taking, uh, were taking fire too. So they entered the classroom. The classroom was split. They didn't know where it was. Now, you have to remember, to the guys who did that, I don't want to take away at all from what they did. We have to report on this story honestly and fairly. Folks, we can and will and just did critique the response and will continue fairly. But that does not take away from the fact that multiple men walk through what is known as, as law enforcement and the military as a fatal funnel. A fatal funnel is this, and I don't want you to forget this term. 
It's any terrain feature you walk into where the attacker attacking you can concentrate his fire, but you can't concentrate it back. Let me make that make sense for you in the, in, with respect to this classroom. The door, the attacker absolutely knows at this point. Yeah, they could have come through the window, but he, he knows he can hear them at the door. He knows the police response is coming through that door. He also knows they don't know where he is. So he can set up wherever he wants, line up his sights, get his stance and everything ready to go. He can get on a knee, he can brace himself, and he can focus his fire on that spot. We call it a fatal funnel because he funnels his rounds to one spot. Now, why is a fatal funnel so fatal? Because the attacker can focus his fire on you but as I just explained deliberately this way for a reason, the team breaching the door and coming through can't do the same because they have no idea where the attacker is. If you're looking here and he's over there, you now have to realign your sights. He doesn't have to do any of that. Hallways are fatal funnels too. If you're at the end of a hallway with multiple doors and they don't know where you are and you're attacking the police coming down the hallway to get you, they have to come down the hallway. And rounds ricochet off the walls. It's called a fatal funnel for a reason. I want to cover this honestly and fairly. These guys going through that door in that fatal funnel knew exactly what a fatal funnel is. And they knew with no uncertainty at all. They knew with absolute clarity they were getting shot. They were going to get shot. With a 5.56. You got to cover this fairly and honestly. And that part of it should not be lost here either. A lot of understandable grief about the time it took to do that. And we're going to get to that now. But let's not leave that out of it. Now, again, critically but honestly, because these are our kids, and we have to talk about this with a fair and open mind. I want to say a couple of things about the delayed response to the scene. I'm going to get to an article in a minute that describes how uh, uh, something I've mentioned on television, gosh, 20 to 50 times. I don't even know. Every time there's one of these incidents. After the Columbine shooting in 1999, nothing was the same. Police agencies around the globe realized that in the school shooting incident, Establishing a perimeter and trying to negotiate was fruitless because these school shooters went in there to kill them. They weren't trying to get out. In other words, it was nothing to negotiate. And what's your enemy when you've got a killer with a weapon looking to rack up a body count? Your enemy is not just the killer, but time. The body count goes up as the time goes up. Therefore, you got to cut the time down and respond immediately. Even if, even if, you have to walk across bleeding out students to get to that target. You have to stop that target. Folks, I've been there. I spent over 10 years of my life in law enforcement. I, I, was, I remember Columbine well. The Secret Service looked into this. There were reports done on this. There was internal emails exchanged about amongst people about response and stuff. I'm telling you that is how it's done. I'm going to prove it to you in a minute. You don't wait. Now, why did they wait, law enforcement on the scene, to go in? I am not going to be a stupid, smart person and get out of my wheelhouse. 
I don't know. I wasn't there. They waited. That's a fact. Why they waited is an opinion. Why? Because I wasn't there and I wasn't they. Why they waited. I don't know. Were they trained that way? Did they genuinely in their in their souls feel like it was a better response to evacuate the rest of the kids? You know, it's easy for me to sit here in a chair and, and you know, critique it. I was not there. But I want to add this, and I'll get to it in a minute, again, with this, this, this report. That is not the current training to wait. It isn't. It's not the currently accepted model to stop these things. So something failed. And I know in my prior line of work, part of the job was an acceptance of the fact before you got on, there's no blood oath in the Secret Service. You're a blood oath. That's just in movies. There doesn't have to be a blood oath. It's understood when you swear in to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help you, God. When you swear in, you understand that it's you before them. That there's no concern for your safety when there's an attack on the president. Yes, we want to save your life afterwards. Nobody throws you casually into, the, into a grinder. But it's you first. There's, believe me when I tell you, that is beaten into your head. You are going to be the, the bullet trap. And whatever we have to do to instill in people around the country who are involved with kids in schools who may be involved in this, that same ethos. We got to do it. It's part of the job. It's the most important part of the job. It's us or them. And when you swear in, you're saying the answer is us. Understanding, however, that that's easy for me again to say from a chair, I'm no longer a Secret Service agent. I'm no longer an NYPD police officer. And understanding the limitations of my own knowledge, I prayed last night. I went to bed a little early. Told you I slept good. I think I was so mentally exhausted from this, but I prayed before I went to bed. In Jesus' name, I said, Father, God forbid I ever find myself in a situation like this. I hope you give me the courage to do the right thing and not the easy thing. I hope, because I'm not going to sit here and tell you, ah, you know me, Batman, I definitely go in. Yeah, it works well in comic books. Folks, the hard reality is in real life, when you're looking down a fatal funnel, knowing you are guaranteed to get shot walking through that door, the hard reality is we can talk all we want. But until you're in that position, no one really has any idea what it's going to feel like, what you do. But that does not absolve us once we swear into that oath to do that. That's the job. That's the job. All right, I want to get to this uh, Police Chief Magazine article. Uh, it's, it's a good one. It describes exactly what I'm telling you, how after Columbine, everything changed. This is not the accepted international plan to handle police, uh, excuse me, active shooters by police in schools to wait. It's just not. This is a magazine for police chiefs. 
I deliberately use this. Uh, I'll show you that in a second. Let me take a break. It's been a tough show so far. I'm going to get to that. And I want to get to an article in the Wall Street Journal by Peggy Noonan, which uh, I like Peggy. She's a, a gifted, gifted wordsmith. She has a lot of deep thoughts. And I really genuinely enjoy her column, even though we have different uh, political leanings, about, especially about the Trump administration. But I think she's way, way, way off here and acting emotionally in this piece. And I say it because a lot of people read her pieces. She's very influential, and I think she is way, way off on this piece. It's important. Um, all right, take a breather. Today's show brought to you by our friends over at Patriot Mobile. Just because the Biden administration paused their creation of their disinformation board, it doesn't mean the fight is over. Across the country, free speech, religious liberty, and our constitutional big R God-given rights are under constant attack. That's why I'm proud to support and partner with Patriot Mobile, America's only only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They offer the same nationwide service as the major carriers, so you get the same great service, plus the peace of mind that your money is combating the left's attempts to silence you. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, and their 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer support. Patriot Mobile shares our values and supports organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitutional rights, the sanctity of life, and our veteran and first responder heroes. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Dan or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation when you use the offer code Dan, my first name. Veterans and first responders save even more, so make that switch today. We've proven that when we stick together and make our voices heard, we can make a difference. So join us today. Make that switch to Patriot Mobile. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Dan, patriotmobile.com slash Dan, or call 972-PATRIOT. Thanks for your patience and thanks to Patriot Mobile for uh, sponsoring the show. We appreciate it. So, because we do facts on the show, again, proving to you that this is not the response anymore to wait. It hasn't been. It hasn't been for decades because killers looking to rack up body counts in schools are not looking for an egress plan out. There is no negotiation. The negotiation is death. That's it. I'll put this article in my newsletter. I strongly encourage you to read it. Bongino.com slash newsletter if you'd like to read it today. It's in Police Chief Magazine. It's called Active Shooter Response, Developing a Tactical Playbook. I'm going to put up two screenshots from the piece. I want you to listen to this very closely. Quote, since the tragic incident at Columbine in 1999, it forced law enforcement to reexamine its response to school shootings. Tactics have continued to evolve. Responding officers no longer wait for SWAT teams to arrive and suit up before entering schools and other buildings to confront the suspect or suspects. Folks, it's right there. It's, again, this police chief magazine. That is not the accepted tactical battle plan to take on an active attacker in a school. It isn't to wait. I don't know who told officers on the scene that. And I know there was a response, but the response got bogged down. But the responses and more response, there were people there. You have to go in right away. Time is not on your side, even if it means bypassing people bleeding. The second screenshot from the piece, and I recommend you read the whole thing. Police and sheriff's departments, uh, sheriff's departments found out that while tactics were a vast improvement over previous approaches to active shooter situations, it still took too long for a team of four or five officers to assemble. That was the old way. Four or five officers, tactical gear, wait, go in. It takes too long. 
They go on, quote, thus it became permissible, even recommended, that one or two officers would be sufficient to go into the building to deal with the threat to the public. The first officer on scene was given a great deal of decision-making power to include the decision of when and where to go in. While four or five officers remain the ideal number in a team, the number could be smaller based on the situation at hand and the officer's training and abilities. Last part. Statistics tended to show that the sooner the officers arrived on the scene, the sooner the incident ended, often with the suspect's life ended by his or her own hands. Time. Time, folks. It's all about time. That's all you're doing is buying time. I encourage you to read that. Now, again, I, I told you I, 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 I enjoy Peggy Noonan's writing at the Wall Street Journal a lot. Very, very gifted writer. Tends to be a little bit more of a kind of centrist Republican than I am. I'm a little, I think, more conservative. I, she probably may dispute that. Or I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know Miss Noonan, and I'm not attacking her here. And she has a great piece. It's worth your time. It's called Let Not Our Hearts Grow Numb. And I was reading the piece yesterday, and it's well-written. It's just her conclusion, I think, is, is completely entirely wrong by her own logic. I, I think what she's writing here that we need to do something about firearm laws and, and AR-15s. Her own logic disputes it and she misses it. And I think it's because this is emotion, not necessarily the best reason. Again, she probably disputes that and that's fine. Here's a piece. I recommend you read it anyway. It's called Let Not Our Hearts Grow Numb. She's talking about the governor, uh, Greg Abbott, saying there's a mental health crisis. She says, quote, but Mr. Abbott should listen to himself more closely. It's one thing to let an 18-year-old have a rifle to shoot Rattlers in 1962. It's another thing to allow an 18-year-old in the middle of a mental health crisis to buy an AR-15, which is what the sick Uvalde shooter bought on his 18th birthday. Republicans, she says, you're saying every day that there's a mental health crisis and at the same time we shouldn't stop putting long guns in the hands of young men. Policies must evolve to meet the circumstances. You must evolve. I... I Again, I, I, a couple of thoughts. I wrote them down. Forgive me because I don't like to ever read things, but I don't want to lose these important points here. She's saying that the conservative focus on the degrading mental health collectively of this country that's led to this spate of school shootings means we should evolve to do our best to keep rifles, specifically high-powered rifles, out of the hands of sick people. 100% obviously point stipulated agreed folks regardless of anyone's stance on firearms anyone's we can all agree that it was not a good idea this could have one matter of fact it was a deadly one but that's a separate issue from suggesting that some law would have stopped it why i've been in this space for over a decade it assumes a couple of things peggy noonan assumes that by changing the law that you'll stop people who are mentally ill from, acquire, from acquiring these weapons. People who are mentally ill enough and evil enough to want to kill children, you're assuming that a law is going to dissuade them. Well, there's already a law to dissuade them. It's called homicide, which is illegal. As a matter of fact, carrying a firearm in the, within a thousand feet of any school property is illegal too in many places. So I'm not 
registering why you think a new law would stop them from doing this. Now, I can already anticipate her answer. Well, we've got to do something, even if it stops one kid. Um, the problem, again, is you're not doing a risk-benefit analysis. You're doing a risk part, but you're leaving out the benefit. If one out of a thousand criminals is in fact stopped, which I doubt, I doubt even that would be, they'd just find another firearm to do it with, right? You're forgetting the fact that millions of others will be stopped from acquiring a firearm legally to defend themselves against this person. You're leaving out the risk analysis. You're just discussing the risk with no analysis. Here's what I mean. A homicidal maniac intent on getting a firearm, rifle or otherwise, has multiple ways to do it. I just wrote some down from my experience in law enforcement. Theft. It can come from the home. Well, the home, they can't have one. They're 18. Yeah, but their parents have them. A lot of them. Supply is not an issue. There's, there's just, it's a healthy street market for firearms. I was there. I saw it. So in essence, what I'm suggesting to you is a homicidal maniac will be minimally dissuaded, minimally, from getting this firearm or rifle to do what he wants to do, while law-abiding citizens will be maximally obstructed from getting the firearm because purchasing the firearm to defend themselves is illegal and they don't break the law because they're law-abiding. So what you have is an asymmetry. You have a boxing match where one guy's in the ring with a chainsaw. You're there with 20-ounce gloves. And the referee, the government, is doing almost nothing about it because the guy's not listening to the referee. The government doesn't care about the law. He always got the chainsaw. This is my problem with this analysis. With, with proper and due respect, I really do enjoy Peggy Noonan's writing. She probably thinks I'm a raving lunatic, and that's fine. I have a different presentation style. But I enjoy it, and I think it's a well-written piece worth reading. But I think if we debated this, I think she'd have a really hard time answering that. How if one in a thousand, say even one in a hundred, homicidal killers were stopped from getting that specific weapon, they'll find another one. They want to kill people. They want to kill people. They'll create an explosive like the Boston bombers. I mean, but everyone else who's law-abiding stops. And we are in an asymmetric fight where the criminals are armed with high-powered weapons and we're sheep. You got to think this stuff through. I, I, listen, I, I, on my Fox show tomorrow night at 9, um, I, I bring this up that anyone giving you simplistic answers to this, like, oh, a new law, I'm telling you is lying to you or just doesn't know what they're talking about. There is no one. In it doesn't mean there aren't answers, but there is no magic pill. Even on our side, oh, mental health. We can say that it's true, but there's not some magic mental health pill that's going to clear up this problem either. Check out the show. I have a, a guy by the name of... Uh, Dr. Amen, he has some really pretty shocking information about how a lot of this could be biological. We keep talking about mental health. He doesn't even like that term. We've got him on the show. I've got an FBI agent who's very good. Trust me, I know there's a lot of doubt about what they're doing right now. You're going to be impressed. And I've got a Navy SEAL on who is experienced with this, with hardening up schools, talking about all this stuff. The show's worth your time. We talk about fixes. Not simple answers.
Okay, let's do this. Again, let's take a breather. I want to get change, uh, change gears a little bit, switch gears. I have um, just another episode of just these, why we, we just have to just stop the nonsense with these fact checkers. It's just, it's gotten clownish at this point. But I do want to talk quickly some fixes first. But let me get to my, uh, my, uh, my last sponsor for today. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. So lately, I've been on a mission to change the way people view their finances and to encourage people to overcome obstacles and adversity. It's just more and more important to me every day. So I've teamed up with the folks at Life Surge. Life Surge is a one-day faith-based event where you'll walk in hungry for success and you'll leave ready to build your resources to leave an impact on others. We're talking faith-fueled finance, growing resources, crushing obstacles, and then, yeah, using it all for something way bigger than yourself. I'll be joining Life Surge in Cincinnati on Saturday, August 3rd. Joining me in Cincinnati is Nick Vujicic, the man with no arms or legs that speaks about his trials and triumphs. Soul surfer and author Bethany Hamilton, Duck Dynasty's Willie Robertson, and author and pastor Craig Groeschel, star of CNBC's The Prophet, Marcus Lemonis, and Bethel Music. That's Life Surge, Cincinnati, on Saturday, August 3rd. Tickets are on sale exclusively at lifesurge.com. I hope to see you there. So just some quickly, some of the things we discussed on the show this weekend. Fixes. This is about fixes. Yes, folks, we do have to make sure we do everything in our power to make sure 18-year-olds with psychopathological disorders don't get their hands on any weaponry. Explosives, firearms, whatever. But that's not a law that's going to fix that. Because a law stops law-abiding people from defending themselves. That has to be a family community thing. It has to be. If there is a firearm store in your neighborhood that's responsible, which the overwhelming majority are, and very friendly with multiple people who are FFLs, and you tell them, hey, my nephew here has been talking about shooting up a school, don't sell him a weapon, I promise you they're not going to sell the weapon. Some other fixes. I just want to mention a couple things. In my prior line of work, again, when we wanted to make sure that the, the president had a secure pathway. Say he's walking through a hotel lobby. We don't want anyone to see the president because it's hard to shoot what you can't see. So what we would do is we would line up pipe and drape. It's literally pipe with a drape, just a big drape, like hanging from a pipe. And it would give the president a walkway so no one could see him. Now, people used to say to me all the time, Dan, you could shoot through the drape. Of course you could. It's not meant to be a ballistic blanket but it just makes it that much harder to see them. And what it was, was also an access control device. Now, I go into this on my Fox show tomorrow with the Navy SEAL. Access control, folks, is not security. How is pipe and drape an access control device? Because if the president's leaving the stage and walking through a hotel lobby, through the, a corridor, draped off, it's not a ballistic blanket. But it's a sign. No one is in that corridor but us. So what does that mean? It means if we see someone in that corridor, that they're probably a bad guy and it needs to be addressed. 
It's an access control. The drape says, do not go on the other side of this drape. Now, that's what a door is in a school. But access control is not security. It must be backed up by force. Maybe a better example I've used often is a ticket to a football game. You want to go to a Miami Dolphins game? Ticket. That's an access control device, just like the drape is. Don't go here. The ticket says don't come in without a ticket. It's not security. It's an access control device, just like a door to a school. If you don't have a ticket and jump the turnstile and nobody's there to stop you, the ticket was a pretty piss poor access control device. It didn't control access. There has to be a security guard there to kick you out. What I'm telling you is all these lefties say, oh my gosh, good guy with the guns, a big farce and a myth. Really? You don't understand anything about security and you've never thought any of this through. Doors, man traps, surveillance cameras, they're all great. But surveillance cameras record stuff. You can record a murder, but you ain't going to stop it if there's not a force mechanism to go and enforce the access control when you see something on a camera. I talk about that more again on the show. Check it out because we're interested in fixes. It's no good to have a door without a person somewhere around it who can respond. Okay. Switching gears a bit. So this happened to me this morning. I woke up again and I, I, I can't, again, emphasize to you strongly enough what an embarrassing, humiliating joke fake book has become. A fake book is, 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 is a disgrace. Uh, their business model is broken. It's a broken company, in my opinion, with no future. I could be wrong, but I, if Facebook continues down the path they are now, this company will be, uh, will be a, a shell of itself. Instagram may have a future. People like looking at each other for some reason all over the time on in. Look at me. It's selfie of my food, whatever. I've done it. Who knows? Facebook, I'm telling you, is a broken business that is going to go the way of the woolly mammoth. They're going to be MySpace because they do nothing but attack the only audience to them generating revenue right now. And that is older conservatives. Kids don't use this. Kids lean a little more left. They don't use fa- My daughter's not even on it. They hate it and they attack us. I woke up this morning to a fact check about, I'm going to play the video first and then I'm going to show you the fact check. again, because they do nothing but attack my page. This happens all the time. We played a video from the uh, Pfizer CEO, Borla, at the World Economic Forum. And in the video, he talks about a schizophrenia pill that can be tracked. In other words, after you take the pill, it communicates to someone that you took the pill. Now, I'm going to play the actual cut from my show, which I hate to do. I could not have made any more clear that this pill was not a COVID pill. It's a schizophrenia pill. The segment was about technology. And I didn't even fault the company. I even said in the clip, hey, listen, This is their job to develop new technology. I'm not faulting them. I'm just warning you this technology's out there. I'm going to play the clip and show you again how the fact-checking industry is nothing more than a fake book, fact-checking, actual conspiracy to uh, dilute the effect of conservative pages and attack us. Here, play the cut first and listen to how I clearly say this is not a COVID pill. Check this out. Basically, biological chip that it is in the tablet and once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach sends a signal that you took the tablet so imagine the applications of that uh, compliance uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take they do 
take them. Uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in, in uh, this field. Now, to be clear, he's right because this this uh, this clip is often misconstrued and labeled uh, the wrong way. He's not talking about a COVID pill. He's talking about a schizophrenia pill. What I'm trying to tell you, and he's a free market guy. They can invent a pill that does that if they choose. I put that clip in there to show you that the technology is out there. If something were to happen in the future more severe than monkeypox or COVID, the technology is out there and being developed to implement the surveillance future where these pills can actually talk back. This clip is often misconstrued and labeled uh, the wrong way. He's not talking about a COVID pill. This clip is often misconstrued and often misconstrued and often misconstrued and labeled uh, the wrong way. He's not not talking about a COVID pill. (laughs) That's good. Thank you, Key. I asked Key to put it on loop. I, can you play that one more time? The loop, the loop part. That's pretty funny. I have it's the first time here. This clip is often misconstrued and labeled uh, the wrong way. This is not, he's not talking about a COVID pill. This clip is often misconstrued and often misconstrued and often misconstrued and labeled uh, the wrong way. This is not, he's not talking about a COVID pill. <laughs> that is, you guys are wonderful. Justin, too. Hat tip. That is great. I asked him to do that. This shows up on my Facebook page this morning. So keep in mind, you're a leftist. You can still claim a PP tape is out there. You can claim that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. This was on my page this morning. Independent fact checkers say that that's missing context. Say information could mislead people. That the FDA approved electronic pill isn't evidence that COVID-19 vaccine microchip conspiracy theory is proven. I can't. I can't with these people. This happens all the time. I'm, they're not censoring conservatives. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sit down and shut up. You have no, I don't even tell you about all of it. Folks, I'm, I'm, I, I've been in this long ongoing kind of fight with people. I don't say fight, but I don't know what to do if I'm strongly considering some actions here against these people. I, I don't know. I'm, I got limited time. But this is the person who wrote the fact check. Again, another embarrassing human being, Brea Jones. I mean, Brea, really, uh, you know, do, do you see what happens when people like this go and do this stuff? How they write these fact checks and they get attached to people like me, Brea. You want to stand up and put out a statement that this was not meant to be used this way? That Dan Bongino is 100% correct? You want to do that and have some dignity? Disgrace. What a disgusting platform. Disgusting platform. An embarrassing joke, a human being. All right, guys, we're going to skip ahead because we're running out of time. I want to get to the questions. Can we skip to the Biden video on the Second Amendment? Is that possible? So, you know, again, folks, this has sadly become politicized. Uh, It always does. Um, Joe Biden is just a failed human being. Um, He apparently hasn't read the Constitution. Uh, Here was Joe Biden again repeating, I don't even want to call it a debunked talking point. It requires no debunking. All you have to do is read the actual Constitution. It's not like there's any deep analysis. Here's Joe Biden again, uh, zero leadership whatsoever, suggesting that the Second Amendment mentions something about the uh, canons or something. It's just, he said this now twice. Check this out. Second Amendment is not absolute. When it was passed, you couldn't own a... You couldn't own a cannon. You couldn't own certain kinds of weapons. It's just always been limitations. Well, there's Joe Biden. So I was talking to Justin. There. It's Joe Biden saying the Second Amendment said you can't have cannons. 
So, uh, you know, Joe, we, we, we actually went to the second amendment. And Guy found it. <laughs> Guy found it, folks. Oh, no. Here it is. Uh, yeah, if you're seeing it on the screen, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep in barracks. There's an asterisk there. No cannons. Guy found it. No cannons shall not be in for it. Thank you. Thank you, Guy. Joe Biden's right, folks. Bria Jones. Bria Jones, get on there. Uh, Joe Biden's right. The special, the Second Amendment definitely said no cannons. Guy, folks, watch the rumble if you're doubting me. It says it right there. No, no, asterisk, no cannons. <laughs> watch the rumble. You, you all get the joke. But I ask Guy, I go, can you please just put an asterisk in it? Like in, your, in the most childish handwriting possible, put asterisk, no cannons. Of course, it's not in there. Of course, he's making it up. And of course, leftists will continue to send that clip around. There'll be no fact check by Bria Jones or anyone else. They're busy fact checking a segment where I specifically said something, specifically multiple times. And the, All right, let's get to your questions. It's time for questions for Dan. All right. Hey, Dan, I love when you go up against Geraldo. Maybe you could ask him why it's okay for an 18-year-old to pick up a rifle and defend our country, but it's not okay for them to buy one to protect themselves and their families. Pamcake67. Thank you, Pamcakes. Um, I already did. We had a debate at CPAC on the Hannity show on the stage, me and Geraldo, where I asked him this, I believe, exact question. Um, and he had a tough time with that one because it's a really good point. It is a constitutional right to be able to defend yourself with commonly available firearms. Geraldo keeps mentioning drinking beer. I'm not sure where that is in the Constitution. Gay, did you, do you have that one in the Constitution? Maybe we should put another graphic in there. Constitution, asterisk, 18-year-olds uh, should not be able to buy beer. Maybe we can check that one out, too. That's not exactly in there, the right to drink beer. I, I, I missed that. It's a great day. I love beer. But I'm not sure, asterisk, you have the right to drink beer is in there. Must have missed that. All right, moving on. Yo, Dan, not hey, Dan. Clean Jack, yo, Dan. I know you had a humble beginning with Joe, producer Joe, starting the podcast. Was there, gosh, humble. We were in like a two-by-two two closet, like sitting there trying to drill things into a cheap Ikea desk. Uh, was there ever once a time you thought to throw in the towel? Your talent stack is vast. Well, thank you. Maybe you thought you'd try another endeavor. And just to let you know, Joe's It's Friday is a soul warmer every time. You know, huh. I agree. There are some Fridays where Joe and I ponder the appropriateness of it because Joe's a sensitive guy. But I have a take on this that unless it's really the end of times, we really do need some regularity. So that's uh, a mutual decision we both make. I appreciate it. But yes, there was many times we thought about throwing in the towel. Um, anyone tells you otherwise, we're lying. I mean, folks, I think about it now. I, I'm, I'm very critical. I'm a data guy. You know, I went to business school for a reason. I wanted to learn how to analyze data. I love data. I'll be straight with you. We had a rough week with views on Rumble this week, and I couldn't figure out why. The shows were really good. Believe me, we're an honest critique when we think the shows are substandard. We are. A lot of disagreement about what's good and what's bad. Uh, we had a rough week on Rumble. And even though my show is the second most listened to conservative podcast in the country after Ben Shapiro, even this week, I'm like, gosh, this is even worth like people. They, what's wrong? And, you know, Paula's like, it's, you know, it's the summer. It's not good enough for me. We dropped down in the Apple charts too. We used to be right after Shapiro and then a couple podcasts beat us this week. You ask me an honest question, I'll give you an honest answer. Yes, I sit there every time and think, gosh, what am I doing wrong? This is how I am. We got to fix things, make sure it goes right. Okay, Coderpath. Uh, hey, Dan, how do we pressure our government to accept natural COVID immunity? We have T-cell testing out to prove immunity, but the unjabber still being maligned. What can we practically do to force the issue and make these jokers follow actual science? Folks, you can do what I did with, you know, with Cumulus. 
I told him, I, once my contract is up, you don't fix this, I'm out. It's, believe me, it's going to hurt a lot, like a lot, a lot. But I wasn't kidding. You can practically tell your, listen, you know, you want the answer? I'm going to give it to you again. This isn't, hey, Dan, make stuff up. This is questions for Dan. And it's answers from Dan. You have to, there has to be a penalty for the companies to do this. That's the only answer. All right. Third, uh, Dan, why don't you grow a beard? You would look fierce. Repair. Uh, I tried. I actually, my father had a beard for a very long time. He doesn't now. Uh, but folks, I have a lot of scars on my face. Um, over here, I don't know if you can see if you're watching a rumble. I got bit in the face by a guy named Tony and a, this isn't one of those, I'm a tough guy. Everybody's been in fights. We get it. But bit me in the face when I was uh, like 19 years old and there was a scar over there and the hair doesn't grow in. And then I was uh, moving a mattress one time, a small mattress, like a kid, like an infant mattress, not one of those big monster ones. In my basement, where we, where Joe, where we used to do the podcast. Remember when you came down the stairs to the basement? There was that little room on the left, that closet, yeah. and then it was the boxing room where where your where, where your boy Joe used to go and hit yeah. the bag and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was an old plate glass. You know those old plate glass lights? There was just one light bulb, and it had like a glass thing you just screwed in. Well, I picked the mattress up, broke the glass light, and a big piece of plate glass came. And cut my entire cheek on this side open. I got like 18 stitches and the hair doesn't grow back over there either. Oh. So I want to grow a beard. But that's why I can't. I patches all over it from all the damage to my face. So, But good question. No one's ever asked that. Uh, hey, Dan, add some. How likely is it, in your opinion, the jury from the leftist cesspool at D.C. will find Sussman guilty? If found guilty, what's the likelihood the judge will, in fact, accept the verdict and impose a fitting sentence? Um, I, it's so great of a question. Folks, the jury for the Sussman trial, the Hillary Clinton connected lawyer, is like Bill Clinton, Chelsea Clinton, Chelsea's babysitter, the dog, the dog sitter, their aunt, aunt, aunt Martha, uh, Uncle Tony. Uh, I, I think that if, if this guy's convicted, even though the case is open and shut, in my humble opinion, and that's being objective, I, I'll, I'll be stunned. I'll be stunned. And if he is found guilty, what's the likelihood of a harsh sentence? Zero. Zero. Again, questions for Dan, not BS for Dan. Hey, Dan, Bauer, 1927. How do you deal with family and friends that tell you to sit down and shut up because you're not educated enough about politics? I'm surrounded by leftists and I feel isolated. Well, then you're not, they're not your family and friends. Questions for Dan, answers for Dan. I don't hang around with people who tell me that stuff. Matter of fact, I had to unfriend on a private account someone the other day who I'd grown very close to working at the U S open tennis tournament over the years who started posting about, uh, you know, killing babies. Not my friend. I don't want to hang around friends like that. But the answer, that's it. Last question. Hey Dan, Jack Tron, at what point would you say you're obsessing on politics too much, even with everything going on? Uh, I, uh, I'd say days like today. Where Gee and I, Gee got here early. Justin got in a little bit after Gee. He was here a little early because we recorded a little bit early today, about half an hour earlier than usual. And uh, he's like, you know, your daughter's graduating. Gee, you know, we talk a lot. He's like, uh, I think you should just enjoy the weekend. I said, I, I can't. I can't. I'm not kidding, folks. I can't. It's hard for me. I feel irresponsible enjoying the weekend. I don't know if that makes sense, but I just do. 
I feel like with everything going on, I shouldn't be clapping at anything or smiling or drinking or doing, I just feel that way. So at what point do I feel like I'm obsessing over politics and world affairs, if I may add that on there too much, days like today? Because I'm not going to be effective going forward if I can't disconnect from all the bad news. But it's hard. All right, folks, that was a heavy show today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Please check out my show tomorrow. It is a special, an hour-long special with psychologists, Navy SEALs, FBI agents, bomb techs, everyone on what to do about this school situation with safety and security. I believe it will help you dramatically. Record the episode if you can tomorrow night, Saturday at 9 p.m. This is a tough show, but a really good show today, and I appreciate your time, folks. Thanks for hanging with us. See you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard Dan Bongino.